Today, I'm going to be preaching on connecting deeply with Jesus as human. If we ask the question, why did Jesus have to become a human? I would say there's basically three reasons. One, to die for our sins, he had to be human. The second, to become firstborn of the new creation, the new humanity, he had to be raised from the dead as the first new human. And the third one is, in order to be able to have a real deep relationship with us as one human to another. And that's what I want to speak on today. And my goal today is to understand this in a way that deepens our relationship with God. So I'm going to ask, what does it actually mean to have a relationship? Talk about Jesus becoming human and then give us, give you a challenge for 2024. So first of all, then, what does it mean to have a relationship with someone? Well, the first thing I would say is it means to have some understanding of how they're feeling and be able to have some empathy with them. So the first question is, uh, I want to ask you is, can you have empathy with this guy? (laughs) You are laughing because it's hard to resonate with a reptile, isn't it? I know people have pet snakes and they say they can kind of have empathy with them, but it's it's limited. Um, Is it easier to have a relationship with this guy? Yeah, definitely, definitely. There's, you, there's, there's, um, there's emotions that you can, you can see and they can feel your emotions. How about, is it, is it possible to, to understand what this guy is feeling? Yes. In fact, like I can see on your expression, some of you, like, it, it actually immediately feel what they're feeling. This poor guy, what's he crying about? Something bad has happened because God has designed us to resonate like that with one another. And emotions can, can be felt if you have empathy. And uh, then there's another emotion. I don't know what this guy's laughing about, but he just looks so happy. And just looking at him, you kind of can feel something happy is going on there. And so I would say then, uh, in order to have a relationship with somebody then you really need things to be two-way. You need to have some understanding how they're feeling, and they need to understand in some way how you're feeling, something that's coming back. And this, there needs to be some sort of communication between you. Not only then is there an empathy, but if it's a relationship, you actually have some sort of communication. You could have empathy with those two little kids I showed, but you can't talk to them, so there's not really a relationship with them. So even when children are very young, they can sense when their parents are upset. They can actually, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, something is going on there. And so I want to suggest then that Jesus became human in part so that we could have a deep relationship with him. And uh, my first verse for today is from Hebrews 4. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. 
let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, it's very interesting those two verses are together. We often, we separate them, but actually it's really important that they're together because we can draw near to the throne of grace because he has empathy with us and can feel what it's like. What does this mean? Because he's experienced our situation, when we come to him, we don't come like as a blank judge, but we come to somebody who can look into our eyes and say, yeah, I just know what that's like. Isn't that amazing? So uh, what's the most difficult to imagine about Jesus? The most difficult thing to imagine about what it was like as 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 a human? He must have been sick at times. He must have been. Uh, people would have noticed there were so many sicknesses in those days and, and not good medicine, and people would have noticed uh, if this child somehow miraculously didn't get sick. Uh, he must have been lonely. It must have been very lonely at times. We know he was exhausted. Uh, I imagine he was bored at times. Um, he was treated unfairly. He was embarrassed. Um, did he have migraines? Well, you know, he probably had headaches at times if he was really human and can empathize with you when you are getting a headache. Uh, and so uh, there's a, this, this is very big hit there in verse 15. It says, in every respect. And it's being talking about being tempted as well. What does it mean that he was tempted? Well, you know, it says every respect tempted. He was single. He was human. It's not wrong to be tempted. It's wrong to give in to the temptations, but they would have come. And we know that Satan tempted him for various things when he was in the wilderness. So Jesus actually had, would have had these attacks of temptation from Satan, and he knows what they're all like. Every respect, he says, every kind of temptation, even the kinds that we, we would think would be totally inappropriate for Jesus to be tempted with, I'm sure he was. And so... Uh, what we want to talk then, we've talked about relationship. I want to talk then about about uh, what this means that Jesus was human and could have a relationship and what the challenge for us is in this. Uh, and I want to say, when you pray to God, how do you visualize God when you pray to him? What what comes up in your mind? Is it some vaguely friendly old man or, or some terrifying... Um, uh, monster, uh, if, if you had been with Jesus when you're on, on, on earth, if you'd actually been with him, it would be easy because you would have a visual. You know, when I call Anne on the phone, I have a visual of Anne, the person I'm talking to, because I know what she looks like. I know what it's like to talk to her. So if you'd been with him while he was on earth, then when you pray to him, it's easy to pray to him because you have this visual. Now, I think this is very, very important. Um, because you, when you've had an experience of looking in someone's eyes and just seeing their expression, then even if you're talking on the telephone, you know how they're receiving what you're saying. Some people put up a picture of Jesus on the wall and they pray to that picture. But we know that God doesn't like that. God told us not to make images of him. And I think that includes pictures that are supposed to represent him for, for worship. Um, worse, some people uh, have a Jesus hanging on a cross on the wall. And that's, I think that's worse because he's not on the cross anymore. 
We're not praying to a, a, a dying Jesus. We're praying to a risen Jesus. Uh, the, the real reason I believe that God doesn't give us a picture is because he's given us stories. And the stories create a picture in our mind. And if we have a rich picture from the stories we're given of Jesus, that will create a relationship that we know who we're talking to. Uh, Jesus came purposefully to give us a mental image of God, and stories of his life are the best way of creating a picture. So, for example, if you are distressed, you're in distress, and you read Matthew 9, verse 35, Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like a sheep without a shepherd. Like, isn't that just lovely? And if you're feeling distressed, you can think, well, this is the Jesus I'm coming to. This is like, it, it triggered in just empathy, just came up in Jesus. Ah, oh, these people need someone to look after them. They're so distressed and dejected. This is the kind of story that we are supposed to be resonating with. Um, so I want to ask you to think of what stories that you know of in the scripture that help paint a picture of Jesus. Can you we just take a break for some people to suggest some things? Stories in the Gospels of Jesus that help us paint a picture. Yet the woman caught in adultery, his gentleness with her. Yeah. Okay. And there was some anger there. Yeah, that's right. He came and cleansed the temple. Yeah. So it's okay to be angry if it's in a situation that warrants it. The woman at the well. Yeah, just the, 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 the gent grace that he showed her there. When Lazarus died and he wept, yeah, that's right. Um, I've got a, I've got some here, and, and a lot of them you've already got. But uh, speaking of the woman at the well, compassion for the hungry crowds when he fed five thousand, weeping over Jerusalem who rejected him. I'll come to that in just a minute. Exhausted in the bottom of a boat in the storm, stopping for blind beggars, weeping at Lazarus' death when he saw people's grief, angry with the hypocrites and tempted like us. And uh, so um, let's, let's look at uh, Hebrews 4. Oh, I just, I just read that earlier. Let's with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, um, I want to focus on this verse 16. And this really is a challenge for us. And this is my challenge for you in 2024. I want, in 2020, 2024, you to gain confidence in drawing near the throne of grace. Do you accept that challenge? To increase your confidence at growing near, the, coming to the throne of grace, drawing near to him. That is my challenge. And uh, I, I, what I want to say to you is that I'm going to suggest to you reading the stories of Jesus is a really good way of doing this. And I'm going to kick you off, even though it's only 2023, I'm going to kick you off with some stories now to just to try and get us on that track. So Mark chapter 1. Then a man with leprosy came to him and on his knees begged him, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I'm willing, he told him, be made clean. So this is a prayer. 
can you pray a prayer like this ever? Do you ever feel like there's a I'm problems, God, if you're willing, please help me in this situation. Well, you know, whatever God's plans are for you, his heart is compassion for you, coming out of this verse. Whenever you are suffering, Jesus is moved with compassion. Even if he doesn't answer straight away, you, you may have some other things he's taking you through. His heart is compassion. And this is a great verse to start us off with that idea. Um, so uh, uh, let's let's um, let's. I want to expand my challenge a bit more. I want to challenge you that your destiny is to look into the eyes of Jesus and see them filled with love for you. I want to challenge. I want to challenge you that if you're a Christian, come to terms with this: that for eternity, you will actually be able to just look at Jesus as a person and see this love for real. And uh, it would just be there. If you'd spent time on earth, you would, you would have experienced this. Uh, if you belong to Jesus, this is your destiny. And I've got some scriptural basis for that. 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all, with unfailed face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Unveiled means that it's nothing covering you up. You can look directly into his face. And then 1 Corinthians 13 Love never ends, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part that I shall know fully, even as I have been known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So here we, he's talking about just knowing, knowing fully. And you know, if somebody doesn't know you very well, but just thinks you're great. That's nice. But if somebody knows you fully, knows everything about you, every flaw, and yet really, really values and loves you, then that is totally different. And for a God who knows us so intimately and yet loves us so much, that is what means so much to us. Um, so I can't imagine any more joy than a God who fully knows me and yet fully loves me and looks at me and loves me completely. So let's just take a few more verses looking at Jesus. Mark 4, he's exhausted, verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. He's still got action to do. Leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, so the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling. A lot of noise going on, but Jesus is so tired, he's in the stern asleep on a cushion. And I'm telling you, I don't think this is supernatural sleep. I think this guy is totally wiped by what he's been doing. And so he understands what it's like just to be so exhausted because you've just been at it for so long. Another thing, we, we, somebody mentioned earlier, anger. And uh, Jesus has anger over evil attitudes. He, again, he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so they may accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? but they were silent. So he looked around at them with anger, 
grieved in his heart, grieved at the hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. So Jesus is angry, and this, these, are, these are people who their attitude is evil. They're, this is wrong, what they're doing. And he's angry about that. And it's quite legitimate to be angry at situations like this. So um, let me ask you, why did Jesus weep? We read about Jesus weeping. Why did he weep? Lazarus had died. But that was. But many of us don't, don't um, know about the other weeping incident I'll come to. But let's look at the Lazarus one. Um, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who'd come with her also weeping, he was also deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Jesus wept. Now, what I want to argue here is that Jesus wasn't weeping because Lazarus was dead because he knew he was going to raise him from the dead very soon. He was weeping in empathy with these people. He was weeping because they were weeping. And if somebody's really, you know, that little boy in the picture was crying like something, you go, oh, something can happen. And I, 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 what I think is that what Mary really needed at that point was somebody, to, somebody just to empathize with her. That's what she needed. And he gave her that gift of just sharing her emotion with him and then took them to the place of joy and resurrection. So Jesus was genuinely reaping because of the, his empathy with these people around them. Um, so the other time uh, when Jesus wept was actually Luke 19. And I want to argue that war makes Jesus grieve. When he drew near and saw the city, this is, this is Jerusalem, he wept over it, saying, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear down to the ground you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another. He's weeping over the city of Jerusalem because he knows the war that's going to come, that did come of the Romans when the Romans wiped out the, the, um, the, the city and tried to destroy the nation. So that was, uh, that was Jesus just uh, upset at war. And so when we see the wars in this world and there's death and there's cruelty, then we need to know that, that Jesus is weeping when he sees that sort of thing happening. Um, then also another verse about Jerusalem, which is really interesting. Um, he's just, the sadness comes up in Luke 13. He went on his way through the towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And he said to them, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. Can you feel that emotion there that he has, that grieving, that they, the, 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 wasn't, the response that he was so would have loved from them? So what I want to challenge you then, oh, and behold, your house is abandoned. I want to challenge you. Spend time engaging with Jesus as a human who deeply knows and understands you. Read the accounts of him in the Bible until you have a strong image of him in your head and in your heart. If you're a Christian, then this is your destiny to look into 
those eyes of love. And if you don't know Jesus as your saviour this morning, then this is the way to get to know him. And if you know, if you get to know him and you ask him, I promise you that he will not hesitate to, to you ask him to wash your sins away. He will not hesitate to do that and to give you new life. So I want to uh, pray now that each one of us will get, will draw closer to the throne of grace, to Jesus in prayer in this coming year. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus became a human for us. And we thank you that we can come and we can pray. And we can pray. We know that, that Jesus is there with you as we pray and, and the Spirit. And we're praying to all three of you. And we, we, th- we know, Lord, that we can come and we can bring all our requests to a Jesus who understands all that we're going through right now, cares deeply about us. And we pray, Lord, that we will grow in this next year, grow closer to you as we pray and grow in our prayer life. We pray, Lord, this in the name of Jesus. Amen.